All right. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our conversations and dress rehearsal for Ken Stoll's Swan Lake. You know, Swan Lake is certainly a jewel in the ground, and we revisit it uh, often, and that's for several reasons. One, our audience loves it. Isn't that right? Two, we really think it represents the power, the beauty, and grace of classical ballet, all wrapped up in a beautiful package. And three, it's ripe with opportunities and challenges um, that help our dancers grow and develop. So every time it comes back, and these dancers will talk about it tonight, every time it comes back, there are opportunities to make different choices and to try new things and to grow and to share in a different way. Um, PB's version of Swan Lake first premiered in Frankfurt in 1976, where Ken and Francie were the artistic directors there. Later, they moved to Seattle and created what is now Pacific Northwest Ballet, and Swan Lake went in 1981. And then in 2003, we got our brand new production, the one that many of you know, and the one that you'll see tonight, um, with sets by Paul, uh, Ming, Ming Cho Lee, costumes by Paul Taswell, and lighting by the late Rico Chiarelli. So I'm really excited to be joined here tonight by principal dancers, James Kirby Rogers and Lucien Pulsui. About, we're going to talk a little bit about how they prepare for their performances of Prince Siegfried. All right, so let's get started. Oh, I'm supposed to remind you all that this will end promptly at 6.30, and then you'll have a half an hour to make it to your seats for dress rehearsal that starts at 7. <laughs> now we've got that out of the way. So my first question to, to both of you is, how many times have you performed the role of Prince Siegfried? And, I know that's more than once, and... What are some of the goals that you hope to achieve with this time around? <laughs> I'll go. Um, first, I want to thank you guys for being here. Um, we, the reason we do this is for you all. Um, and it's really cool to see all of your interest. You guys are like the, you really care. You're coming to a talk, you're coming to dress rehearsal, I know you're going to see shows. Um, so that is really validating for me um, and in this experience. It's nice to. Nice to see some of your faces, because I can't see anything when I'm actually dancing. Um, hi, Mom. Uh, <laughs> let's see, I have danced, um, I've danced multiple Siegfrieds. Um, I was here for the premiere um, in this house. I didn't, I wasn't dancing Siegfried, I was dancing Court Populous. Um, so was I. Yeah, I know, I remember. <laughs> Um, but then the next time we did the run, um, I was Prince Siegfried. Um, this will be my fifth time dancing it here. Um, I danced it with Cowley. Do we need this? Yes. Is it helpful? Yeah. Okay. Is that better? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, the first time I danced it with Cowley Nakamura, um, danced it a few times with her, um, and that was just incredible. I was a young, young dancer, um, so getting to um, sort of be supported in that way by her. I was really special. Um, since then, I moved to Monaco um, and danced their version of Swan Lake. We did a lot of shows there. Um, it's a very different version, um, but we danced that around the world. Um, Japan, Brazil, Russia, all over. Is that version classical or is it more contemporary? I'd say more contemporary, the, the, their point shoes. Um, so, um, but Jean-Christophe always puts a little twist on his stories. Um, an iconic scene that I love um, is when, um, when the black swan is, re it's revealed that she's not the white swan. Um, 
there's a moment her, her costume has all these little feathers in it and the prince pulls at a feather and it comes out black and he's like wait what a minute wait a minute like and then he pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls and then it turns out she's the black swan Ooh, i'm getting disgusted <laughs> the drama of that is really effective um so yeah i danced that uh for a while um basically the five years that I was over there, um, and then came back here. And since then, I've danced um, two rounds with Liz Murphy, Elizabeth Murphy. And this time around, I'm dancing with Elizabeth, Mur Elizabeth Murphy and Lita Viasucci. Um, and as far as my goals, um, stay standing. Keep my, <laughs> keep my body intact. Uh, I've been doing this for a long time, so I've, I've developed a lot of like skills to to manage, but also like there is um, a physical wear of doing this many shows. Um, so a lot of my routine these days is like push really hard when I need to, and then allow my body the time to recover um, so that I can really show up fully and like throw myself into these roles and be the partner that each of my partners who are very different birds, um, to be the partner that I need to be for each of them. Um, I have danced one other version of Swan Lake with um, Kansas City Ballet, and uh, this is my second time performing Swan Lake with PMP. Um, Remarkables. I think the goal is always to to improve. To I think Nolani Pantasico said this to me. She she wants to beat herself every time she does a role. Um, I think that's something that resonates with me. This idea of um, looking at my strengths and weaknesses from last time and um, trying to to continue to to push myself forward and make new choices and and find novelty and. Um, yeah, continue to explore uh, characterization. I think that's something that I, that I love about dance is, is being able to portray characters and um, embody someone who's completely different than I am. So talk to me about preparation for taking on a full-length ballet like Swan Lake. How is that different from preparing for other roles in our rep? I think there's a lot of um, physical demands. I think Elle and I, Elle Macy is um, my partner this time around, and we talked a lot about the technique and the physicality being in service of the artistry, but it also serves as a foundation. So taking care of the physicality, cultivating the technique, um, and then being able to ride on top of that is, is something that's a big part of my preparation process. Um, and what that looks like is showing up every day and um, doing the role, managing my body, um, building chemistry with my partner, um, finding nuance and detail, and um, yeah, trying to, to progress in a as smooth a linear fashion as possible to the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess we're, if we're doing just like rep work, um, it, it's not as involved as far, for me at least, as, as far as the partnership that I'm working on with my, my partner. Um, so, like James said, really the, the, the technique is in service to the storytelling. Um, that's key. Um, and then there's a lot of um, talk, really. Like, I'll spend a lot of time after my rehearsals. Actually, we should have scheduled rehearsals for talking, because I, <laughs> I use a lot of my free time. Um, 
talking with my partners um, and and asking, okay, like I felt that you wanted to, to propose something here. How can I support that? Or like what, making sure that the story that we're telling is in alignment and that the way that I'm responding is, um, is a natural response to what my partner is proposing and vice versa. Um, or, or if my partner's like, I don't want to do anything here, so you, it's my responsibility to carry it. Um, those, those sorts of conversations um, are what really enrich the role, um, the roles, um, and and sort of guarantee that we're not talking over each other or stepping on each other's lines. Like giving everyone the space to clearly show you all what it is we're trying to communicate. Yeah, the relationship with your partner in a ballet like Swan Lake, well, any partnership really is, is critical, but especially one like Swan Lake where you're charged with portraying characters and telling a story that has so many levels and has such a huge arc from the beginning of the ballet until the end of the ballet. Um, do you, either one of you work with acting coaches? How did you go about preparing sort of your characterization of Prince Siegfried? Um, I've worked with an acting coach, uh, a lovely man by the name of Orlando Steele, um, not specifically on Siegfried, but on just the principles of acting, um, which was a fascinating experience. Um, yeah, a, a bunch of sessions over the summer and then occasional Zoom sessions here and there. Um, I think that characterization is a lot about, or I guess Orlando would say, um, you have the, the mask of the character and your spirit animates the mask. Um, and so finding ways that you can genuinely um, bring yourself into this character, but also realizing that the, the mask is a technical thing, that you are portraying something else. And that duality um, is kind of where I try to, to find resolution and find art between those two contrasting points. I'm playing somebody different, I'm trying to be genuine. How do I resolve that tension? I love that. That's so cool. It's <laughs> your coach, I'm gonna hold on to that. Um, I have, I've not worked officially with a coach. Um, Jean-Christophe Maillot is like a, is really into acting and so he was a great a resource. Um, I also am constantly watching and observing like, watching human reactions, watching responses, watching my own responses, um, and have, I guess part of how I've conceived my role as an artist is to live life really big, really full, experience and feel all the things so that I can like synergize that all into a performance for you all. Um, which is, uh, has not always been easy. Um, there's been a lot of um, dragging myself through the heavy stuff, but it's, that's just added to the depth of my well of ability to share with you. Um, there is the technical aspect that you're talking about. Um, I find really interesting, especially for a stage the size that we have, um, because it's not enough just to act the thing. It has to be read across the orchestra pit across the orchestra level to the back of the house. So if you feel that you are maybe portraying, like we can't act like a, a cinema actor where that their acting is super subtle, expressions are really minute. Um, we have to amplify our expressions, but also do it in a way that is authentic. Um, so there's a level of like 
for me, full embodiment of, of the character, but also a dissociative element where I can see myself from the outside and recognize like, is this gesture communicating to the front of the house? Or like if my partner is here, I can't really do the, the acting moment at my partner because then you all lose it. So it's, it's this balance of, of being really in, in what I'm doing, but also how is this projecting and how is this being seen by you all? Because the whole point is for you all to feel what we're doing on stage. Um, it's, it's so that we transport you. Um, and that's, if I'm not doing that, then I'm not doing my job. Yeah. Who is Siegfried to you? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good open-ended question. <laughs> I said he was only going to give a softball. So. He's a bit of a softball, actually. <laughs> um, well, he's got he's got some issues. He's got some daddy issues um, for sure. <laughs> uh, probably needs some therapy. Um, issues he's just got issues <laughs> um, and hmm ooh something just came to me and I don't know like I'm gonna go with it it feels like he wants to be seen and is not really seen he's not seen by his family he's not seen by his mother he has this expectation and obligation to carry on the lineage of the kingdom which like spoiler alert doesn't happen um, so it's just him and he doesn't find anyone. Um, but it seems like he really struggles with this, with his identity, with like this whole kingdom that lives around him that has this great expectation for him that he just doesn't care for or want. Um, uh, he is dreamy, he's sort of lost in his idea of what the world it is, and but trapped in a system that won't allow him to be that thing. So he falls in love with a bird. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Yeah, I think he um, is somebody who struggles with uh, the weight of responsibility. And um, yeah, I think he's an idealist. I think he's a dreamer. And so, um, you know, he views this hunt as a, as a way of, um, yeah, running away from his, his problems, his responsibilities, the, the, the pressure of um, being the figurehead of an entire kingdom. And um, I think he meets somebody who uh, enchants him and, and he sees the possibility of escape through love and then that's taken away from him. And I think that that's the, the poignancy of the story from his point of view is that because of his own um, character flaws that are revealed to him throughout the ballet, he has this chance of happiness like sort of plucked away from him. The possibility of escape through love. I love that. <laughs> I love doing these things because I really enjoy talking and getting to use this voice instead of my dancing voice with this guy. <laughs> I'm going to record you. <laughs> you know, so the last big prince I think some of us may have seen you all do was Prince Albert and Giselle. Um, what, what are some of the similarities and differences between these two princes, and how, how do they show up in your portrayals of, of Siegfried specifically? Yeah, also, I think Albert is also an, escape, an escapist. He, he runs away from his responsibility and falls in love with a, with a peasant girl, and he knows it's never going to work. But the 
what is interesting about Albert is that he, um, I think the, the, for me, the power of the portrayal of that character is that he's not a cat, that he genuinely loves this woman, Giselle. And I think that there's a similarity between that and what happens with Siegfried, where he, he, um, he falls in love with Odette and he gets tricked by Odile. And um, it's the, for Siegfried, it's at some level, he chooses to honor um, a more animalistic base part of himself in swearing to Odile, the black swan, that he will marry her. I think that for me, the, the, the power of his arc is that at some level, he knows it's not the same person. And I think that that's, that's what um, makes the, uh, the apology in the fourth act more meaningful is that he, he knows deep down that it, it just wasn't the same, but he does it anyway. The question is uh, the, the idea that truth is not truth, and how does that fit into these dancers' interpretation and, and the explanation that we just heard here? Is that the truth is subjective? Is that what you mean by that? Um, yeah, that's a that's a really interesting point. I think that personally, I believe there there is objective truth, and I think that that's kind of how I approach um, his character arc. And that I, I think on on some level, I I view his apology as an acceptance of personal responsibility around what he what he has committed to and what he's done to. Um, Odette, and I think that the him being tricked, the subjectivity of that, right, that he, he's, he sees this mirror image of a person and then falls for that, I think that that is uh, a foil to, re to reveal parts of his character. Um, yeah. yeah, this was talking about how, um, talking a little bit about uh, Prince Siegfried's naivete in Act 3 to be tricked by Odile and how he has a lot of growing up to do, and he doesn't grow up really until he realizes he's made the mistake and his transition into Act 4, which is the apology to Odette, knowing that now she is going to be forever trapped under the dark spell of von Rothbard, and, and Prince Siegfried is charged with now living with this terrible choice that, that he's made. I was talking with Lita um, the other day about her portrayal in, in Act 4 and what we were building together um, for me, she comes out just in total grief, right? She, she comes out and she's just seen her love, swear his love to another woman. Um, but then she has her, she has her grief and then there's this sort of calmness that overcomes her. Um, and I was talking with Lita about this idea that it's almost like the, the kind of love that she's giving me is like, almost like a motherly love. Like, like I forgive you. I've... I, I see that you were trapped in something that was beyond your control or that you, that you were duped, um, that she, she has experienced pain. She has experienced these things that he hasn't. And so she, and that's why she's able to forgive him. Um, and I, I love that juxtaposition of the sort of, she's the wise, wise one showing him. She's, you know, bowing his head because she, she has to go and she knows that he, oh, he's going to get 
<laughs> this this moment is so emotional for me when she's I'm looking up at her hand and she is is bowing my head so that I don't see her. She knows what's going to happen, and I'm still I'm still this young thing who's caught up in grief so much so that like I collapsed to the to the bottom of the stage in my grief. Um, and she she handles it in a in a with the maturity that comes from life experience, that comes from having seen a lot herself. Um, and I think that is just such a loving way that she, she treats him, um, sort of ushering him through what is, at that point, the most critical and devastating moment of his life. Yeah, I think we really see the strength in, in women in these ballets. Because um, what you just said, sort of about the kind of mothering love and the kind of forgiveness that um, Odette gives, it's the same thing the spirit of Giselle gives as well to the end is that, that kind of forgiveness so freely, but it takes a strength, I think, uh, to be able to forgive someone who has wronged you in, in such a, a deep, a deep way. And, and a putting aside of ego and a putting aside of self, um, which I think, I, I don't need to get into gender studies here now, but that's like, you know, so much of a, of, um, a, a female like quality to be able to like this isn't about me right now <laughs> this is about you this like feel my love I'm here to nurture you I'm here to support you um, sort of thing um, we don't have the fathers doing that in Valley. Anything you want to add, James? Yeah, I think um, female strength is is on full display in in Swan Lake and Giselle and the the capacity to to forgive is on full display from. Um, Giselle and Odette um, in an incredible way in a, um, yeah, in a way that uh, rings true of, of deep love. Um, uh, a choreographer that I really admire, Alonzo King, talks a lot about um, uh, deep love and not in a romantic sense in a, a mother's love. And I think there's, there's almost an element of that in, in both of these. It's this idea of um, uh, love without the need for reciprocation or love for the sake of love, right? It's, it's a really, I think it, you know, when we see it on stage, when we experience it in our lives, people giving without the need to receive anything in return, it's a beautiful thing to witness. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to circle back to, or something else at least? No, I just, uh, yeah, I just want to, like, <laughs> echo that <laughs> um, and yeah like Alonzo King's like awareness of the power of love um, and that we are all expressions of that love um, I, I love I love love <laughs> like in that moment because I think Alonzo is very like something that's very powerful is that he's tapping into that tapping that we are all love we all have this capacity within us um, and um, yeah I just want to I wanted to go back and sort of and, and talk more about the relationships that you both have to forge with your um, your Swan Queens. Um, James, you have a new partner who's who's first approaching this role in Hell Macy, and Lucia, you actually have two partners. And so I'd love to hear kind of like your experience working with someone who's new to the role and how you all built that, because um, your last partner was Leslie Rauch, who was quite experienced um, with this role. And then Lucien, a little bit of schizophrenia here with two partners and trying to figure out how to portray this prince. Let me start with you. Is it two? Are there two different princes for each of your 
swan queens, or, or is it the same prints for each of them? Yeah, really nice question. Um, I, uh, I texted my ballet teacher, my first ballet teacher, um, a couple weeks ago. We worked on Swan Lake a lot when I was growing up. Um, I was really fortunate to have that time with her. And I said, I feel like I am cloning myself, splitting those two clones, and then allowing each of them to be what my partner needs to be. Um, because they're, they're very different demands. Um, just phys physically, um, Lita and Elizabeth are very different birds. Um, and then what they propose um, through their acting and through their physicality is very different. So um, it's both. It's yes, I'm, I'm consistently me through the whole experience, although I have to adapt what that is and what that looks like based on what I'm being the space that I'm creating with my partner. Um, with Lita, it's very new. We, um, we started working together like a week ago or something, two weeks, like it's very fresh. Um, so um, I have this moment of like, I, I kind of need to step back um, from, from what I am used to doing to listen to her and see what she's proposing um, so that I can like, grow my prints around that um, and we can so that we're not stepping on each other's lines and so that we're telling the same story um, so uh, that's been fun that's exciting and um, I I feel like really good about being at this point in my career to be able to sort of handle that um, I can be in the moment I feel I can trust myself I can trust my partners so it's not rattling if somebody proposes something different and it's not like, oh, well, that's not what you did last time. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, let's go with this and let's see what's on the other side. Um, and maybe it's a doozy, but usually it's not because we're pretty trained to what we do. Um, and that, that journey for me is exciting. Yeah, that's trust in, you, in yourself and trust in the partnership. You know, I, I have been watching Lucia dance for a very long time. Um, and it's been so wonderful to see this progression. I mean, you know, you started out as such a young, kind of wet behind the ears, kind of dancer, prince, and to watch you sort of evolve into this sort of fully developed and, and really vulnerable artist has, has been a, a true pleasure. Um, can you talk about like how vulnerability plays a part in your dancing these days? Mm. And then we'll come back to James. Yeah. No, um, I, there's something that I find really cathartic in being able to channel my, my pain um, and share it and transform it into something beautiful. Um, that is, I mean, to, to be fully real with you all last year, um, or not, not to be, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> I'm going to be vulnerable. Um, to be real with you, last time we did Swan Lake, um, I was in the middle of a divorce process, um, and I was not sure if I was going to be able to go on stage because I was so devastated. Um, I was not able to eat. I was not able to sleep. But for those three hours that I could be on stage with you all, that was a moment that I could take all of the anguish that I was experiencing and, and transform it into something beautiful. Also, get outside of myself. Um, and so f for me, I, uh, I guess I'm coming into an awareness too of like, it takes the amount of courage that it takes to be vulnerable like this is huge, but I do it because I can. 
And I want to carry that for myself, but also for you all. So that like, if there's some thing inside of you that is touched by me exposing myself in the way that I do, um, I think that makes the world more beautiful. I think that makes us more connected. I think that that gives us something that we can all share, that we can all relate in, um, and also be, be sort of an example that like, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to like, let your heart be out there and, and let the guard down and be, be the human that you are, um, because that's, that's the beautiful part of life, in my opinion. Um, and I'm just lucky that I get to do it in front of a lot of people. Thank you, Lucy. So now, James, tell me about your relationship with, with your partner and how is it working with someone who is new to the role? Um, like when you were new to the role and, and with, with Leslie and how she kind of you know, helped you along, do you see some parallels now with the position that you're in with your, with your partner, Elle? Yeah, interesting. Um, I think with Elle, um, it's a process of discovery. Like I, I, I put myself there with her to experience this with her for the first time, and I and I try and embrace that novelty and, and come to it with um, no preconceptions. Um, uh, there's a there's a famous book called um, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind by Shinru Suzuki. And he talks about in the master's mind, there are few possibilities. In the beginner's mind, there are infinite possibilities. And so I try and come at it with that. Like, I try and come at it as a novice. And um, to, to also be able to recall like tricks and, and um, keys that were helpful from last time if we, if we start to struggle, but to really allow the possibility of discovering what it is that our partnership is. Um, without the context of, well, when I did it with Leslie, we were on a quarter, and so maybe we should go over there. And you know, I, I'm, I'm so uninterested in that. I, I, I would much rather be like, yeah, let's, let's find out what it is. Let's discover it together. Um, and then, you know, partnering with Leslie was incredible. I, I learned so much. Um, she had so much wisdom, and she was so generous with me, and, and we're still very close friends to this day. And yeah, it was incredible to, um, to be able to partner her for the last few years of her career and to um, share some of her last moments on stage with her. I mean, such a such an honor and, and what an incredible dancer and incredible human. So, and grateful for all of my time with her. I, yeah, I, I wanted to like just say something about what it is to be a partner. Um, and I don't know if, if you want to speak this too, James, but like we, we have, we get to be chameleons um, to adapt to whatever our partner needs. And like Swan Lake is very much about Odette Odile. You know, the like we are the prince, but like it's really there's this there's this ballerina that like and, and a lot of ballet is, as Valentine said, woman. Um, so being being what your partner needs you to be, um, also it takes a, a, a a lot of ability to put the ego aside to be what your partner needs to be. Um, and I think if we're doing our job well, um, the ballerina is highlighted um, and she's what you see. Um, though I just wanted like, as, as a male dancer who's been in this for a very long time, give the male dancers a little bit of props um, for the work that we do uh, because it is, um, it's not as 
glorified, um, but it's what enables the ballerina to shine the way that she does. Um, and um, yeah, uh, that's the end of that thought, but I just wanted to <laughs> really highlight it, you know. Um, well, thank you for that. You know, performing classical pas is extremely difficult, especially for the partner, the, the, the male dancer, for sure. Um, there are um, three pas How many are in Swan Lake that you all do? There are four. There are four giant pas in this ballet, each of them with a different feeling and each of them requiring um, different kinds of technicalities to make it work. I mean, imagine having a person standing in front of you trying to balance on the tips of their toes, and you're trying to manage their weight and manage their balance, and all by feel, you know? Especially when a dancer has on a tutu and you can't see their legs, it's really hard to manage and maneuver that. And so a lot of the learning that these dancers do is quite nuanced to be able to manage that and to make the performance really shine and not just be about the technical aspects but with all that be able to portray the story as well. Yeah, and the, the mental and physical shift that comes from being so tuned into your partner and being there for exactly what they need. And then, oh, by the way, you have to dance and, right. do, <laughs> and focus on yourself. Um, so it's this, it's a, yeah, I, I'm just actually thinking about that now, about how I, I give so much attention to making sure my partner is exactly where she needs to be so that she's comfortable and, and that shift. I've never really thought about this so much, but <laughs> we're super, are we superheroes? <laughs> She is taken care of, she is safe, and 
them to do anything to protect to protect her, really. Um, um, so we are lucky enough to have um, Kent Stoll and Francia Russell back with us with this restaging of Swan Lake. I want to talk to you both about your experiences in the studio with, with Kent and Francia. Um, what, what has been the most impactful for you in, in working with Kent and Francia on Swan, Swan Lake? I'll just jump in. I mean, we have longevity. We have, I've been working with them for 21 years. Um, so, which is a, a fraction of their mag magnanimous lifespan, by the way. Um, but I feel honored that I've, that I've been able to have this fraction of that with them. Um, I, Liz reflected this back to me, that like, there are ways in which I revert to a child. Um, and not like in a less healed person. <laughs> insecurities come out um, and that is something that I'm so glad Liz reflected that back because she, she was like you know every time you walk into a room you do it with such presence and such command and when Ken and Francie are here I see I see your insecurities come out um, so that I, that's not a positive or a negative it's just um, something to, to listen to and like yeah wait a minute I'm not that I'm not that kid anymore um, you know um, but having having them here having the the little nuggets of um, Francie is so great with finesse um, the, those those nuggets and, and Kent always lends his pizzazz there's this like there's a walk around in, in Black Swan Potterda, or like after Potterda, at the very end of the Potterda, and he's like, you should walk around. Like, this is a, the most impressive step that you've ever done, and it's, we're walking, but we need to do it in a way. Um, so these little bits of, of information um, are, are lovely, and, and I guess lovely for me to evolve and update who I am in the room with them um, as a 40-year-old man. <laughs> Yeah, there's such counterfeits uh, here, such lots of wisdom, and um, yeah, and they're amazing people, and they're hilarious. Ken, um, okay, he's got a, like eighty something. Ken, every every each time that I have done Swan Lake with Ken, he does a little grand jeté. Like he he gets up and he's like, "Oh, you're gonna do the stuff like this." This is like <laughs> Oh my god, okay, I'll do it better. I just, <laughs> so grateful to, to her and she has like such an immaculate eye and like, she sees everything and she's she's a brilliant coach she really knows when to say something how to say it like a delicate touch of, uh, a firm touch sometimes it, it just feels like she's um, yeah she, she knows exactly what to do in every moment to, to bring out the best in someone um, it's really incredible working with both and Ken, like his choreography is beautiful. Like, Act Four is all their production, and it is stunning. So when you see it, see it as a, a progression in the lineage of Swan Lake, and, and it's very much their own. Yes, and and they built this place. Like that's I had this the other day. Um, I finished a rehearsal with Liz and. Um, I asked for a photo with Ken Francia, and there we are in the Phelps Center in Studio C, which if you've ever been over there, it's our biggest studio. Um, and I was looking at the photo afterwards and was like, 
oh my God, like they, they built this, um, which I think is remarkable, um, this institution, what it is today. Um, so that's really, I feel like so cool to, um, to share in, share space with them in the space that they built. Um, and I think that they deserve so much recognition and um, all the applause for everything that they've given the city, the art form, um, all of us. They are, they are incredible for sure. And I, mean, I just, just watching them in the studio working with each of you, they are, they are exacting, they are generous, um, and, and they have really developed these performances into something special for each of you. They're not the same. Um, and they say different things to you to get different things out of you. And it's just an incredible experience to watch you all process the information that's coming at you from, as Lucien said, all of this wisdom that they have. So talk to me about what is your favorite moment in Swan Lake? Running to mom in Act 3. After you get betrayed, there's this big, like, Tchaikovsky, you look at mom, you're like, mom! <laughs> drama and the music is so real um, and <clears throat> and I think the the final moment where um, the where Odette is like bowing her head she does like the music also there's so high drama she does this PK arabesque which means drama and ballet <laughs> and throws herself onto us gives us a final embrace bows her head and like those I just it, it feels really nice to be in that moment, to like be the person who is the conduit for the story at that moment, to feel that pouring through me, feel you all experiencing that, the strings, the orchestra, everything. Um, I have a question for you about the, um, uh, the moment that you- when they become the MC. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do your, your feelings towards mom in that moment? Oh, it's like, it's like help, help. Ah. Uh, you know, anything but this. Okay. What are your what feelings? Are your feelings? <laughs> Mine are like, excuse my language, bitch. <laughs> like, I, I, I go, I collapse at her feet and I'm like completely broken. And then I look up at her and I'm like, you made me do this. Like, you put me in this position. And I, I sort of shove her off of me, like, get out of my face. I can't, I can't look at you right now because you caused this in, in a way. Um, and, and that's sort of my rejection of the, the system that I'm in. Also, my jester, who's my friend, um, he comes to console me too, and it's also like, I, I, yeah, I want to use more colorful language. I use my body, but I want, like, F off. Like, you know, you, you, you've been complicit in this. Um, yeah. Hmm. I was the jester, and that is a really tough moment because as, <laughs> as the jester, you are, we are your best friend and we're trying to take care of you. We want to you know, find out what's wrong and you get this shoved to the ground, this sort of dismissal of someone who you have been trying to take care of, but from your perspective is, is um, sort of corroborating what the queen wants as well. Yeah. I love that too. Like, those, I get goosebumps in those moments because of all, it's a, it's a snapshot of a moment, but it's so, in the culture that we've created in the ballet up until that point, it's so steeped in meaning because you understand 
why the prince is there in that moment and what he's experiencing and like there it lends so much power to the, the moment i'm going to ask one more question and then i'm going to open it up to questions from some of you so while i'm asking this question maybe think of one or two questions that you might have for our princes um just just tell me about what's what's one of the most challenging parts of taking on a role like prince you're pretty tired. <laughs> uh, that's a hard part. Um, yeah, I think you're you're part of a lineage. You know, I, I think Swan Lake um, has a long history. There have been so many incredible versions, so many incredible dancers have done Odette and Siegfried. And so there's a lot of um, history to be a part of, and. Um, I always feel a desire to um, to honor that legacy and to to bring it forward and to, to be myself in it, but also to um, um, to do it justice. Yeah, and I think that puts the standards like up here. And so I think that there's a there's a striving to to meet that expectation, and I think that that is something that I feed off of is that um, pursuit of of history. Um, yeah. It's you, baby. Your history. <laughs> um, Swan Lake's really hard. Um, it's like, it's physically, at least for me, it's very physically and emotionally costly um, and um, very rewarding, uh, but I, I am I, it's probably the most physically demanding um, prince role um, that I dance. Um, I would say, like, not so much that it's something that's hard, but something that I put a lot of focus to is the way in which I'm partnering my partner, um, which is unique to Swan Lake, where we're trying to create an illusion of flight um, so and, and of weightlessness. I guess like Giselle, Act 2, there's also a similarity of trying to create this wispy sort of movement um but i really think a lot about like the lifts are not lifts the lifts are her taking flight um or landing so how it's so so there's a lot of attention for me um in that space between her point shoes and the floor like when she's first taking off or first coming down um and and that there's like a smoothness to the lifting um just physiologically to explain to you, um, we do a lot of lifting from our legs and then we finish with our arms. So there's like a lot of leg action and then follow through with the arms. Um, with Swan Lake, it's one that I really want to have all of the lifting be very smooth. Um, so blurring the lines of that transition between when it goes from leg to arm, um, that takes a lot of, for me, attention and focus. And again, that idea of seeing us from an outside lens to see are we creating that illusion of light? Thank you. Questions from the audience? Yes. Uh, if you have a chance to dance or please to see, how would you compare uh, interpretation of Swell Lake by Balanchine or Vigarovich who turned 97 a few days ago to uh, Kent and Petsia. 
the question is about how you compare um, Swan Lakes by other choreographers to uh, Ken Swan Lake, uh, specifically Balanchine. And I missed the second name. Uh, there's there's so many layers to that question. Um, <laughs> uh, because I, then because you're looking at the the version um, and which version speaks to you, and then also the interpretation. I think something that's so wonderful about Swan Lake is that. Um, it, there's, they're like you mentioned, Kian, a lot of opportunities for a lot of different dancers. But when it comes to the Prince and and Odette Odile, the audience gets to spend a lot of time with them and, and gets to see how they interpret things. So um, you can ask, yeah. There's the question of what version do I prefer, or which artist do I prefer interpreting it? Which company, which style lends itself to the interpretation that I like? Um, so. For me, choosing choosing a preference or a favorite is a really hard one because it feels very very subjective. Um, I would say a lot of it um, is carried by the artists, um, regardless of the production or the company. Um, it's up to those two people to transcend to transcend the story and what they've been the tools they've been given through the production um, and make it into something that is. It makes us all have goosebumps and cry and, and moves us. Yeah, I think in, in a lot of productions, um, Act 4 tends to be the place where people leave their mark the most. Um, I think Kent has done a, a beautiful job. Um, yeah, I, I think all these choices are exquisite. And I think the, the ending uh, is unusual in that um, Odette and Siegfried are both alive at the end. And I think it's, um, I think in fact it's powerful. I think it works. Um, yeah, and other versions of Swan Lake at the very end, uh, there's this moment where um, the, the prince or sometimes even the Swan Queen jump into the lake and sort of in, in themselves. But Ken shows a very different route. He wanted to, I think, leave us still with, with this idea of hope. And, and I, for, for me, an element of like <sighs> human humanness, like there, there's been this weird sort of like there's a prince falling in love with a swan story that we're like, how okay, we're we're gonna try and relate to this because it's giving an access point to feelings and all that stuff. But when you see the the prince as just a crumbled human being at the end, um, that leaves an image of like. Um, of relatable grief. Yeah, I think. Another question. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, so the comment was that at the Marion's Theater, there's a version where it has a happy ending, um, where uh, Siegfried actually slays von Rothbard. Um, and, and, and Swan Queen and, and Siegfried end up together. But then the other question was, um, with Siegfried going from a nincompoop, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, to, to sort of a, a more more adult version of, of himself, the question was, how would these two feel um, if the ending was altered here and they got to portray the Slayer of Rothbard? That would change either Yeah, I think that would be a really interesting shift to like, um, to portray him having been the courage and the, 
the power to stand up to this magician. He's, he, this is a, that could be really interesting to play because this is a, a character who has not been able to stand up to anyone his whole life. Um, and then through finding love, I guess um, that's, I think, the access point to like, that's what gives him the courage and gives him the power to finally stand up for himself and to stand up for the love. Um, that would be an interesting arc to play. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, happy endings are great. <laughs> <laughs> happy endings are great. Yes, Sandy. Well, that is kind of the understanding of beauty, another word from this era. That in, Uh, 
demonstrate this character arc and, and capitalize on these moments is a big part of what I try and do and, and sort of um, serve up opportunities for characterization, for narrative building. And then that becomes the, the dialogue. But yes, uh, I think the female character is at the forefront. And I think the female character has a lot of times, especially in Swan Lake, the most interesting um, character shifts, right? The, the, the choice to apologize, I think, is so, uh, sorry, to, to accept the apology is so fascinating. Um, and I, yeah, I love seeing different people approach that in a different way. Like, how do you, how do you say, like, you've wounded me immeasurably, but I forgive you. Like, it's such an interesting thing to tackle. I'm going to take one final question right down here. The question was, how are Swan Lake and Giselle alike? How do I want to... Good, good open-ended question. <laughs> um, how are they alike? Um, actually, the from from my from a partnering aspect, there's a lot of the similarities as far as creating a sense of, of wispy or weightlessness, um, and that's something that I really like to play with um, in, in my partnering, um, which takes a lot of coordination with my partner. Um, and um, let's see, uh, our characters are also in in these productions. Um, our characters, the Albrecht and Albert, excuse me, Albert and Siegfried are um, are left with broken hearts, um, and there's so many, yeah, so many directions I could go with that. But do you want to take a look? I think they are very similar. I think that um, there's there's a prince who's escaping responsibility, who wrongs a woman, who forgives him, and. Um, there's there's nuance within the story. Um, there's a there's an interesting mystical element that's part of Giselle. The Willies are um, scorned brides who come back to life to kill people who enter the forest. Um, the Swans are uh, cursed princesses who have been trapped by Rothbard. Um, so there's there's a lot that um, Valley seems to. Late 19th century seems to be working with this idea of um, betrayal, forgiveness, mysticism. I think they're all mingled in there in a really interesting way. And the point shoe is kind of was developed as an idea of like this is how do we get people to levitate off the ground? And so the point shoe is literally a device to to create the illusion of weightlessness. So I think that that. It's, it's, it's all mixed in there in the, the ballet litany. <laughs> and a reminder that like money doesn't buy you happiness. <laughs> These are two very strong examples of like very unhappy royals um, in, in both Giselle and Swan Lake. Um, and I think there was definitely some clear messaging there for the time these were created and who the audience was at the time. Um, sort of a pushback on the aristocracy. Well, even though our stories don't have happy endings, hopefully this talk has a happy ending. Thank you all so much. You'll see Gabriella Rosa as one queen and Jonathan Batista as Prince Siegfried.